You're listening to the Sticks in the Six podcast. Here are your co-hosts, Andrew Forbes, Peter Barracchini, and Alex Hobson. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Sticks in the Six, episode 128, brought to you by the fine folks at the NDL House, as well as the Hockey Podcast Network. And boys, it's been a couple weeks since we touched base, a little combine action in there, uh, but we'll be talking a lot of uh, off-season stuff when it comes to the Leafs. Uh, The draft is coming up very, very quickly. Peter, you're going to be in Nashville for that, so we'll get to that as well. But before we do... Let's kick it off with how you guys have been over the last couple weeks. Alex, let's throw it to you, buddy. It's been a while, eh, boys? Jesus, yeah. I feel like I feel like I'm meeting long lost relatives at a, <laughs> a freaking reunion or something like that. That's how long it's been. Look how look how long my beard's gotten yeah. in that time, boys. Cousin, like, just... cousin Andrew was completely clean shaven last time I saw him. That's um, right. He didn't have the beard last time. <laughs> Oh shit! Yeah, that's right. He actually did. Oh, I was just—I was just making a joke. I forgot that he actually was pretty, pretty chopped up last time. <laughs> um. Anyways, yeah, I'm doing. I'm doing good, man. It's been. Uh, it's been a pretty crazy couple of weeks. Um. Uh. Small victory today for me. I uh, played golf and I shot under 100 for the first time ever. Nice, which was, nice. Which I felt pretty good about because if you've seen me play golf anytime before this year, and even like parts of this year up until recently. I am a disaster on, on, on the green. It's, it's brutal. Um, so I finally was able to find some consistency and, um, I, uh, my, my, my drives off the tee have been, have been pretty consistent. Uh, I still got to clean up my putting game on the green. I'm, I, I choked away a couple of potentially really good holes today by, uh, just completely, you know, overshooting on the green and stupid stuff like that. But, uh, overall doing, yeah, that my, my golf game's coming around. So that's a small victory for me. Um, also just a shameless self plug here. Uh, my band dropped a song last Monday and, uh, it's been out for a week and I was kind of surprised to find on Friday when I woke up that it was featured on the edges website, one Oh two one. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, if the edge wants to spin my song, I think that'd be a fun next step to take, but, uh, right now I'll, I'll definitely be happy with the, uh, the online review. So yeah, it's been, a, it's been a good couple of weeks and I'm just fired up for the draft to get here. There you go. There you go. Peter, how you doing, buddy? Doing great. Big shout out to Alex and his band because that song has been on loop on my playlist. It actually is very catchy and very Thank good. You, so congrats to that. Much appreciated. Um, yeah. No, it's been been quiet the last few days because of prepping for Nashville and everything like that. But, you know, this is a, this is the fun time of year. You know, dra- actually, the awards are tomorrow night then the draft and then free agency like a day or two later. So this is literally Christmas for every single hockey fan slash boxing day slash new year's Eve all wrapped up in one full week. Um, but yeah, I've been good. Uh, been, you know, I'm usually very low key with everything. So I've just been relaxing, prepping myself for this week just to make sure that, you know, I'm not overstressing or overexerting myself and yeah, I'm, I'm ready to get down for the hard grind. That is the NHL draft right now. Are you at? Uh, sorry, just to real quick. Are you at? Uh, are you in Nashville for how long? Three days. Uh, yeah, three days, and I'm leaving like very, very early on the Friday. Okay, I was gonna say yeah. if uh, you wrap up your work in time on Thursday, you should str- you should roam the streets of Broadway and look for a look for uh, a band that needs a house drummer to sit in. Maybe, uh, maybe yeah. dip, your, dip your toes into the music scene down there. 
I'm uh, I'm pretty rusty, although I still know the uh, certain rhythms and grooves. I could probably do something on the fly. It may not be, you know, very country-esque or whatever, but I could probably do a little nice jam groove session if people need. Yeah. You're not going to do a, a rendition of YYZ on the spot? Oh, God. I think <laughs> I just, I think I just do the ride. The ding, 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 ding. Yeah, may, or even like throw some Tom Sawyer there. I don't know, Ooh. but... Uh, yeah, uh, if uh, if if there is a drummer calling, maybe I don't know, or little, band calling, uh, not a drummer calling. Little country rock uh, sesh there for you. You could get yeah. out there and, and jump in, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Is, oddly I, enough, I don't listen to a whole lot of country, but you no. know, stranger things have happened, right? Uh, there, but you know, you mentioned uh, how much of a, a wind sprint that the draft's going to be, and obviously, you were there um, last year as well. Yeah. Um, the combine just wrapped up. You and I were both at the combine. That was a wind sprint. Yeah. Um, you know, trying to, trying to get every prospect that you wanted to get watching these guys basically puke up their breakfast on the, uh, on the wind gate and the VO two. And, mm-hmm. um, give us a little rundown before we get into all the, all the thick stuff here in the, in the off season, give us a little rundown of what you took away from the combine, Peter. Um, whatever we thought of, there was like, you know, some consistency or, or certainty of positions in the rankings. I didn't get the sense of that because, you know, with a lot of the writers there talking and uh, other scouts and all that, it seemed like questions were being floated around. You know, obviously the Russian factor, what's going to happen there because there were no Russians there because they were supposed to be there. But apparently their visas didn't come in on time for the testing, which is why you're seeing a lot of uh, Matt Mitchkov do all of his interviews and everything this time around leading up to the drafts, hopefully to try and sw- persuade some teams to take them. But even so, like, obviously we all know who Chicago's taking. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Anaheim, I'm fairly certain they're going to be taking down Fantilli. But after that, and even when we were talking with uh, both Mark and Jim, um, we don't know possibly what's going to happen with Columbus on like, we know, like, who the top 10 is, and there could be a few surprises in between, even from, like, second round jumping into the first. Who knows? Uh, but, yeah, it, it's what it's probably going to be that draft where it's heavy with talent, but probably also expect the unexpected. But even though that unexpected is probably really easy to understand why it happened, because it's so deep and rich with talent this year. Yeah, a lot of unknowns. And like you said, one of the biggest questions I found in some of the scrums was that, you know, this draft starts after number two. Um, mm-hmm. The the understanding is that one is Bedard, two is Fantilli. That's kind of written in stone for most, we should say. Um, and then, yeah, obviously the conversation, like you said, we had with Mark and, and Jim and, and uh, you know, I kind of it kind of swayed me a little bit on my final rankings. And um, yeah. I put Will Smith number three and and. and Reason being is because there still is some question marks surrounding Leo Carlson's game. I think the development uh, is is something that we'll have to watch as as he continues to grow. But um, I know there was a lot of questions about his contract it, as well. Yeah, his contract as well. But I I, I was going to say Scott Wheeler from the Athletic was saying uh, asking a lot of the prospects who outside of Bedard is the toughest or sorry most talented player. Um, yeah all around not just not just pure that they have talent. gone like, up against yeah. yeah that they've gone up against in this draft and a lot of people were saying will smith a lot of people mm-hmm. were saying will smith so it made me kind of go down that road and go down that rabbit hole and and start to think about the possibility of will smith being a number three and rather than you know fall to five or six but um 
yeah, it's definitely definitely going to be a, a very good uh, very good draft. I think uh, there's going to be a lot of surprises, and I, I you know the combine itself was was a lot of fun as it always is. I got a little London Knights piece out. Shout out to the the boys uh, that took the time to speak to us, Easton mm-hmm. Cowan and and um, uh, uh, Oliver Bonk was there, of course, and and uh, it was just it, it was such a such a good day as as you mentioned. But uh, this draft is going to be very exciting and. And uh, we'll we'll obviously talk a little bit more in depth about the draft as we get on here. But before we before we jump over to the draft, um, I think we got to talk a little league wide uh, league wide news. And uh, obviously, not the way we want to kick off this uh, this podcast. Not the way we want to ever kick off a podcast. Or hell, we don't even want to talk about it anymore. But um, in what should be a fantastic off season with the way that the draft is, is shaping up and, and you know, you the golden Knights obviously winning their first Stanley cup. You've got a great hall of fame um, class going in. You have the NHL coming out and saying that they will no longer be allowing players to wear specialty jerseys. Um, this includes military night. This includes, um, you know, pride night. This includes hockey, fights Martin, cancer, indigenous hockey nice. fights, cancer, everything, mm-hmm. everything. So, um, with that said, Peter, do you have anything you want to say about this? Um, we've, I, I, we've run through this too many we, times. We, so it's kind we of, beat this horse too yeah. many times. And the yeah. fact that you had Gary Bettman and all the board of governors had to come out and say that, you know, there, it was too much of a distraction because of the issues surrounding players not wanting to wear the pride jerseys and everything like that. Well, guess what? It wasn't a distraction. It was players making it seem like a distraction. And even so, everyone piling on saying that, oh, you know, don't force the political views on me kind of thing. Um, you know, it you shouldn't let a small portion of the fan base dictate what the league should do because that's exactly what happened. Everyone in the hockey community is very open. Everyone loves to see the indigenous uh, designs. I know that the Toronto Maple Leafs had a great design design uh, for their logo this year. Um, the pride jerseys, hockey fights, cancer, all uh, even the military night, all these uh, nights where, you know, you have charities involved and proceeds going to those charities. And now you can't have that because of the fact that you can't have these game worn or like warm up warm jerseys as a result of that. And for the NHL to just come out and say, you know what, we're not going to make this the distraction kind of thing. It, it seems like a cop out. It seems like the, a very shallow excuse instead of showing support for everyone involved with these nights. And obviously the big one is the pride one because that's what started it all. But you know, you should, again, you shouldn't let some angry, you know, random Twitter user say that, Oh, you know, uh, don't do this or whatever, because that's what it felt like it was doing. Um, yeah, it is very disappointing to see. Um, it seems like the fact that we took, tried to make these steps towards being inclusive and involved and showing support for everyone in all these in all these groups and now it seems like we took a million steps back as a result because that awareness is completely gone and now teams definitely should continue doing it on their own terms or not on their own terms but should continue to do this consistently and show support for the pride community um people and the big one too is uh, i it hits close home to me because i've had a family member die from cancer 
And now you won't get to see those, you know, hockey fights, cancer jerseys. Um, real, real gut punch if you ask me. Um, but yeah, disappointing all around. Um, I, I really don't know what else to say as a result of that because I could just go on and on and say how disappointing it is, but it really is. Alan Walsh um, noted, I guess, controversial tweeter when it comes to the NHL and in terms of his takes on uh, Gary Bettman noted, the NHL's decision to ban players from wearing specialty jerseys in pregame warmups is gutless. Pride night, military appreciation, hockey fights, cancer, black history. 99% of players had no issues wearing a specialty jersey. Typical NHL going 60 Mm -hmm. miles per hour in reverse. Alex, anything you want to add to this? I know it's it's something we we consistently talk about, and, and it seems like it's a topic that's never going to go away. Yeah, well, I think the main thing that is the common theme whenever we talk about something like this is that the NHL is just forever afraid to to hit issues at face value. They would much prefer to just you know take the shortcuts, take the easy way out, and just you know in, in some cases like this one. Um, just completely scrap the entire thing instead of actually addressing the root of the problem. And I saw a tweet that summed up just how shitty this decision is. And it was something along the lines of uh, Oscar Lindblom, who survived cancer, mm-hmm. is no mm-hmm. longer going to be allowed yeah. to wear his Hockey Fights Cancer sh- jersey in warmups. And when you think about it, it really all goes back to his teammate refusing to wear the Pride jersey. Because Ivan Provorov started all that. And then... Obviously branched out to James Reimer. It branched out to the stalls. And it's, you know, it, it, it's just, it's textbook NHL bowing down to the irrelevant handful of people who make this their entire personalities. They make being anti-woke, anti, anti-frickin' whatever, whatever the... I don't even whatever like, whatever anti- they use as yeah, a, as a hateful term. Yeah, seriously. Like, they're, they're, they're anti... They're anti-everything. And, mm-hmm. it, it, you know, it, it, it's unfortunate because if you were to look at Twitter, you would see that a lot of people are, are hiding behind burners and they go out and they say these stupid things. And if you look at Twitter, it would lead you to believe that, you know, everybody is calling for the NHL to scrap pride jersey and, and to scrap uh, and to scrap, you know, specialty jerseys, whatever, whatever other causes. But the reality is, like Alan Walsh said in the tweet, 99% of players don't give a shit. And, you know, it, the, the I, we've sat here and talked about, we, talk, we talked about Ivan Provorov. We talked about James Reimer. We've talked about all the shitty people in hockey before. And I'm going to say it again, even though we've been talking in circles about this for as long as I can remember. Um, the, the part that I can't understand is the fact that people who, despite what your religious beliefs are, despite how you grew up, despite what your parents or what, your, what the people around you told you, Nobody can look past the fact that, or no, sorry, nobody can look at the fact that the pride jersey, I'm going to use the pride jersey as an example here, even though this is the case for most jerseys. Everyone, yeah. The pride jersey, the pride flag is not about shoving anything down your throat. It's not about trying to get you to change who you are. It's, it's all it means is love everybody and respect everybody. Yeah. And there are some really, really shitty, you know, root of the cause homophobes out there who are, who are full on, like they're, they're fully confident with their views. Yes. I am homophobic. I don't think gay people should exist. 
And then you've got all the people in the middle who try to sympathize with those people and say, oh, well, you just got to respect their opinion. Maybe they just don't want things shoved down their throat. And it just, it, it, it drives me insane that nobody is willing to, like, sorry, nobody in that group of people is willing to take a seat and actually listen to the people who represent pride organizations and the people who are behind the entire movement. Because they'll tell you, we are not, you know, we don't want anything to do with changing who you are. We don't want to turn you into one of us. We don't want to do, we don't want anything to do with your kids. They just want to be seen as an individual, a human yeah. being. And, 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 you know, wearing the jersey does not encourage anything. It, if anything, it just, it, it makes people who are a member of that community feel more welcome at the game. And I don't know, it, it, it it's really just truly shitty to me that we as a society, and I hate to say that because I know that there are great people, there's a good amount of great people out there who don't have that, don't have these issues and don't take such a big issue with a friggin' rainbow flag. But we as a society just can't seem to, can't seem to do the bare minimum, which it, 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 it makes me sick every time I talk about it. And, you know, when I, when you look at the fact that this all comes down to the few people that were against this and it all goes back to them. And then the, the bigots who decided to expose themselves and, 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 you know, speak a little more freely on it because the people who in the league who aren't religious, sorry, who are religious and use that as an excuse because they have a platform. They said it out loud. These people now feel like they can, they can speak a little louder on it. It's annoying because you let them win. You let them win. You let them win. This is basically a win for them because you know, everything is gone. Yeah. Everything's gone. And you know, I think when we, I think we mentioned it when we talked about the whole Provorov situation. The word, the, the the most infuriating part about everything that happened is that instead of the focus being on Pride Nights and being on love, every time a team had a Pride Night and a player decided not to take part for whatever reason, all the attention went to that player. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it just completely defeats the entire purpose of what those nights are supposed to be about. So you'll notice that I stumbled around my words a lot. And it, it's really because I'm trying to think of a different way to get my point across because I feel like I've read the same fucking monologue like 20 times on this show. So, yeah, I mean, it all comes back to the same thing. The NHL are cowards. They bow to the lowest common, denomin- lowest common denominator in society. And they ruin it for everybody else because, like Alan Walsh said, instead of going 100 mile an hour for – hundred, maybe not 100 miles an hour forward. That's like – that's a little dangerous. Instead of going – 80 miles an hour forward, they go 60 miles an hour in reverse. And mm-hmm. it's it, it's bullshit. It, it, it is bullshit. That's that's where I'll end it. I'll play off of that and say, you know what? If the NHL went 10 miles per hour forward, it'd be better than the 60 miles per hour backwards that they're doing. Yeah. Because right now, and, and like I, I'm not going to go on this crazy tangent right now because you guys, I've, I've, I've done it with the Provorov situation. I did it on YouTube shorts with um, with the Reimer situation and got – Re, like reamed out by every Bible thumping person that ever existed. And all those true Christians. All those true Christians. True and Christians. Which, no, then, not an ounce of hate in their hearts. Yeah. Yeah. Which which is very ironic because shouldn't it teach about love and accepting everybody else? That's what I was told. I mean, I think that's the I think that's the age old debate. Um, but we won't we won't get into that because yeah. that's <laughs> that's just you know whatever it is what it is. But um. 
one I, I want to play off the other side here and say, look, uh, Terry Koshin had a great quote from Morgan Riley uh, following the the announcement that there will not be any specialty jerseys. And he said, with issues like that, with movements like that, I'll support them no matter what. Whether we wear jerseys or not, that support is not going to go away. And to me, those are the people that you need to have speak out. Um, yeah. We've talked long, long before this podcast even was was a was a thought um, that you need the stars in your league to speak out. You need the guys that you know have a name to to come out and say, you know, um, this is this is what my belief is. This is what I I truly believe in. Uh, it was the same when you know Colin Kaepernick got basically wiped off the face of the NFL, and it was the guys that. You know, you needed the Tom Brady's to come out and say something. You needed the the Marshawn Lynch's. You needed the you know you needed guys to come out and, and speak on his behalf. And the same goes for this. You need guys like the Crosbys and the Matthews and the McDavid's. And and I think it's such a it's almost such a it's almost culty the way that the NHL is run in terms of like hey you speak out against us and there's going to be there's going to be repercussions mm-hmm. and we saw that when you know Crosby came out and said yeah I would love to see one versus eight in the playoffs not even a huge issue but it went against Gary Bet Gary Bettman's view of what the perfect NHL is and you know basically he just wiped that comment away and said well this is how it's going to be it's Gary's Gary's NHL or nobody's NHL it's his show. And I, I think, you know, I, I, I used to, when I first got on Twitter, I, I hated reading Alan, Alan Walsh's tweets because I was like, man, this guy's, this guy's a clown and he's saying like all the wrong shit. Now I, now I look back on it and I'm like, everything he says, everything he says is well thought out. It's driven. It's, it makes sense. It's, it has a point and it has a place in the game. And uh, you know, like it, it's people like Alan Walsh that need to continue to speak out, especially in situations like this, because like you said, Alex, it's it's the flag is not about being gay or being trans or being anything. It's about loving whoever you need to love to make your life worth living. And at the end of the day, like if 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 you can't accept that as a human being, like, you know. Find find there's another no hope circle. In, there's no find hope in never changing their opinion or outlook. No, they're, they're just gonna keep thinking like that, and that's unfortunate. It's unfortunate because it's passed on from generation to generation, and yeah. you know, the hope is eventually that we 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 clean that up. But it's 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 a hard it's a hard fight to battle, and um, you know, the support has to outweigh the the negatives, and that's where the NHL could play a part and decides not to. And as always, the NHL continues to disappoint. So. Sick league, boys. Sick league. But, um, yeah. Anyways, we're going to get off the subject because it's something that we talk about all too often. But I want to talk quickly be, about the Hockey Hall of Fame class of 2023. Um, big announcement uh, the other day. Obviously, Henrik Lundqvist, Tom Barrasso, Carolyn Wallet, Pierre Turgeon, Mike Vernon, Ken Hitchcock, and Pierre Lacroix were all inducted into the Hall of Fame for the t- as part of the class of 2023. Alex, um, let's get your thoughts on this class, this goaltender heavy class, and the Hall of Fame only using one female spot when they are able to use two. Fuck! I was I was racing the clock there. I was trying desperately to finish. Chewing I was, I was drawing it out. I was drawing <laughs> I it out. That. <laughs> you pretty much you pretty much spelled out my whole answer for me because that's what I was going to touch on. But yeah, I mean Henrik Lundqvist deserved uh, he deserved the uh, 
opportunity for sure. And obviously he's been, he's been the best, he was the best goalie I would say from the span of like 2005 until 2015. So for him to, for him to finally get what he deserves and get into the hall of fame is great. It's a long time coming. And if I actually recall correctly, I think uh, the very first episode that I did with you guys, uh, one of the things we talked about was Henrik Lundqvist stepping out of the game because he had a heart condition that was preventing him from playing. So, you know, a bit of a somber note to talk about Hank um, last time around, but we've we, we've gotten to a point where it's kind of come full circle and he's getting the recognition he deserves. So great to see that. Certainly troubling that the NHL, I didn't realize that they hadn't used a spot for, for female hockey players since 2010. I, I knew that... I knew that they had to, sorry, I knew that, you know, obviously there was, there were limited spots for, for female players compared to the male players. I did not realize that they were just leaving one of those spots open the entire time. And you look at the list of players that could be, that could be accepted into the hall of fame. I mean, the NHL has got to, got to figure that out. But again, we just, we just spent an entire segment talking about the NHL and their inability to do things like figure it out on many topics. So uh, we'll have to re- revisit that eventually and see if they ever get out of their own way on that front. But, um, and then obviously there's the age old conversation of Alex McGilney and how he once again gets snubbed. And what I don't understand is that you got, we touched on it a little bit when we were talking about the draft at the beginning and how the situation in Russia could be preventing things like this. I don't understand how I, I saw someone make a case for that for Alex McGilney, and I don't really understand that because if you guys read that quote of when Mike Keenan was trying to threaten him in the dressing room, yeah, I read and it. he he basically just said, "Listen, buddy, you know, <laughs> Russian overlords basically tried to kill me and my family and threatened all of us. You think you're scaring me right now? You're not. So I don't think that his you know his ethnicity should play." or his, uh, sorry, his nationality. I don't think that should play a part on how he gets inducted or not. But yeah, overall, uh, it's good to see some of those guys get recognition. But you wonder again how McGilney is year after year getting snubbed. And yeah, shocking for sure to find out about how there's only, that that there's an empty spot for for women players every year. So hopefully that's something that's corrected in the future. Shout out to uh, Ian Kennedy for shedding some line on that. Boys, Oak. just thought I'd bring Oakley on real quick here. Special guest. Hey, Oak. <laughs> Camera shy. He's Camera shy. Camera shy. <laughs> That's okay. Peter, your thoughts on the Hockey Hall of Fame induction uh, class of 2023? Yeah, it, it seems like it, I, you, you talk about the saturation of it for sometimes. Um this year, I really thought that, you know, this could have been a year where maybe we see someone like Rod Brindamore get in because, you know, he has a Stanley Cup to his name. Um, you know, obviously, I'm still big on Alex Mogilny getting in because he was a trailblazer for, you know, European players to come over and get their get their career kicked off kind of thing. Um, he was someone that, and especially with the Maple Leafs too, like I know he was towards the end of his career. I remember that, but even like when he was with the Buffalo Sabres, I just, I got scared playing Buffalo every single time because of Alex Mogilny. Um, then you have like, you know, Curtis Joseph, who probably could be in, um, he, pro- he kind of got snubbed, I think, but I, I, like, like Alex too, I think the biggest one is like, you know, 
like if you have a second spot for a female, you know, hockey player, use it to get them in because you know, as deserving as Caroline Willett deserves to be in there because six world championship titles, 68 points during that span. Jennifer Botterill probably made a really good case to be in this year as well. If she's not in next year, I'm going to be pretty disappointed because, again, five world championship titles, three tournament awards, two MVPs. Um, just absolutely phenomenal what she has done. I think you can make the case that both Wallet and Botterill should be in this year. And even so, if you look towards next year, you can probably look at bring it like looking at you know maybe one of three of you know jenny potter carla mcleod uh monique uh lamaru Mirando. you know those three could be in the contention next year as well or you know four because you're now you're including bottle in the mix as well so it really <clears throat> is disappointing that they only save one spot for them even though if there's two available but yeah that, I, i'm probably not going to say anything different than what alex said but yeah it is uh Disappointing to say the least, but I still think that those are some names that definitely should have been considered greatly. Uh, you guys know my take on the Hockey Hall of Fame. I uh, I refer to it as the Hockey Hall of Saturation, and I think yeah. I think every year they accept way too many people. Eventually, you're going to run out of spots on the wall, and um, I, you know, there's a there's a few things that baseball does right, and I think the way they run their Hall of Fame is one of them. And and you have you have a length of eligibility and. And if you don't get in in that time, then, you know, obviously then, you know, you, you, I guess now they can vote them in as like a legacy player essentially. But um, I will say, I, you know, very happy for Henrik Lundqvist. Obviously he deserves to be in there. Um, doesn't have a Stanley cup, but you know, noteworthy nonetheless, Mike Vernon was a, was a question mark, I think for me. And I think that's, that was the one name that I think you could have left off. I think Pierre Turgeon's long awaited his chance to get in. He's got a lady bing to his name, 500 mm-hmm. goals over a point per game in his career, 1300 points, more than 1300 points in, in 1200 and something games. So a guy that uh, definitely deserved to get in, but obviously the big question mark is, is Alex McGillian. Um to go off your point, Alex, I think, you know, you have to, th- look at it as this is an opportunity the same way the NHL had an opportunity to, to speak out against, you know, uh, hate and whatever else in our last conversation, this was the opportunity for the hall to, to kind of speak out against the geopolitical bullshit that's been going on in, in, uh, in Russia and the Ukraine and, um, you know, missed, missed, a, missed an opportunity, I think, um, to, to get that. And, and McGillney, McGillney, you know, for what he's done for the game, for what he did as a, as one of the first or the first Russian to, to defect and come over, um, you know, I think that that's got to be recognized at some point. And, you know, I think it's only it's it's a matter of time. It's not if it's uh, it's when. And I think I think it should be sooner than later. Um, aside from that, again, the, the the talk about women's hockey. I mean, you have you have so many names that are available. Megan Dugan. Um, I believe uh, Julie Chu's there as well. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. Yep, she's um, there. <clears throat> Cassie Campbell, Cassie Campbell Pascal is also there. Florence Schelling. Yeah, Florence Schelling. Yeah. Um, and then there was a there was another name I was thinking earlier, Vicky Sunar Sunahara. Sunahara. Yeah, mm-hmm. two Olympic gold medals and seven world championship golds. I mean, there there's opportunity there, and like you want to talk about, you know equality and inclusion and diversity within the game and you're trying to promote the women's game so much and here's your opportunity to do that and and you 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 kind of 
it, you let it go by the wayside. It's, 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 I think it's an opportunity lost. And I, I, while I don't think it should take away anything from those that were inducted this year. And, and when I say the hockey hall of saturation, I don't want to take away from the, the honor that these people are feeling getting inducted into the hockey hall of fame. I just think there's, you know, it's supposed to be a special thing. And I think when you allow too many people in it, it no longer becomes a special thing. And, and uh, you know, it's, I mean, Pierre Lacroix, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, Ken, Ken Hitchcock. I don't, I don't know. Like, that's just my opinion. That's just so, my opinion. And can you just clear something up for me? So when, when you say that the, uh, the class essentially has two spots that are reserved for women players, is it that they're just leaving one of those spots blank and, and inducting one less player in, or are they filling it with the, with a spot for a man? It's not the second one, right? No, I think it's, I think it's, they just left it they blank just, from my understanding. Why? Yeah. Yeah. Why? <laughs> yeah. That makes no sense at all. Yeah. Holy shit. Okay. Well, yeah. So that's, <laughs> I'm shocked. I'm shocked yeah. that the NHL. Now, and and if, if somebody knows better and, and, and we're wrong, please let us know. But um, yeah, that's, that's kind of where I think it's at, but yeah, it's uh, you know, one of those things that uh, obviously has got to be a conversation next time around for sure. Uh, when they look at the, the induction process, but um Let's jump into our leaf talk, boys, because we obviously that's something that we want to get to, and and we got the draft coming up. But uh, before we do that, let's talk a little bit about Tree Living and his to do list uh, going forward in this off season. First off, he went to Arizona. He talked to Matthews. If you were fly on the wall, Peter, what would that conversation look like? Um, well, really good question because uh, I I really would hope that it would be like listen we want to keep you in the fold long-term. We're not going to, you know, shortchange you on anything. We want this to work out. We want to commit to you long-term and that's going to be the final straw. That's going to be, you know, what we want. And I'm pretty sure that's what Matthews wants too. Um, you know, it's, it's really not difficult to try and get a sense of how everything is going, but it does seem like things are moving in a positive direction where both player and GM are on the same page. They want this to get done. And, you know, good on for living for prioritizing the number one, you know, player that he needs to focus on. And that's Austin Matthews. Cause you know, if they're able to come to an agreement at some point, obviously dollar value is still going to be a big concern because we don't know how much the cap is going up and down the line. It could increase, but we just don't know by how much, um, yeah, I think they're going to do everything they that he can to try and keep Matthews in the fold. And there's going to be a contract at some point. I think the gears are already starting in motion. They have that dialogue going. They have that, you know, commonality that they want to be signed and be committed long term. It's just a matter of when it's going to happen. And obviously everyone is still freaking out because, you know, no, oh, he hasn't signed yet. Well, he can't sign until literally Saturday, July 1st. Um until then, and even after that, I'm not going to be too skeptic or too wary on the whole situation because I do think that it is going to get done at some point. Alex, a lot of the conversation was that it wasn't a conversation based off of the contract extension. It was more just a conversation to get to know him, get to kind of detail what his sights are for the for the team moving forward. What are your thoughts on the the conversation and the visit to, to Arizona and what Trevor Living is trying to do? You're muted. Yeah, it's okay. I butchered my sentence, so that I may have actually saved me. Um, 
we all remember that conversation that uh, Sure Living had with Jonathan Huberto when he first got to Calgary and, you know, he went to visit him in Montreal and took him out for dinner. And then, you know, a couple of days later they had a contract and obviously that was already in the month of July. So there wasn't any waiting period, but I'm at the point boys where I'd be very shocked if there wasn't a deal announced on July 1st or in the days after that. Um, you know, I, I've really, I know that we have to take everything that the media says, if, uh, you know, with a grain of salt and we have to, we have to sort of understand that, you know, insiders don't know everything. They might not, you know, they, a lot of the time they're just speculating, but I haven't seen anything indicating that Matthews and true living. were going to hit a hiccup or a fork in the road when negotiating his new contract. You know, he's been on record multiple times saying, I want to be in Toronto. This is where I want to be. I'm not worried at all. Um, I think a lot of people really kind of overthought the whole Dubas getting, get, you know, stepping away from the team or not stepping away, but Dubas and the Maple Leafs parting ways, um, I think a lot of people took that as a bigger warning sign than it was, uh, wondering or worrying that it was going to affect the Matthews contract negotiations. I didn't think that was the case at all. Um, Brad Living knows how important it is to get Matthews resigned. I mean, could you imagine, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, could you imagine being, you know, hypothetically being the general manager of the Kansas City Chiefs, for example, and you just get hired and you're told that your first order of business, not, not, not even that you're told your first order of business, but you walk in and the number one thing staring you in the face is that Patrick Mahomes needs a new contract. Are you going to not sign Patrick Mahomes? No, of course you're not. You're going to sign him. You might even overpay a little for him. Uh, I think it's going to be largely the same situation here. I mean, Austin Matthews is the number one center on this team. He's the face of the franchise as it is right now. Um, he, you know, the Leafs for a long time before Matthews did not have anybody in that number one center position, you know, between Matthew or sorry, between Sundin and Matthews, it was a dark period. So I don't think Leafs, uh, management wants to go back to that. I don't think true living is going to want to have to hear it from the media if he can't work something out with Matthews. So yeah, he's going to be signed. Yeah, no, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. I think, uh, this is just a, Hey, how are you? This is who I am kind of kind of meeting and it's uh it's a pre prelude to what's what's going to come july 1st and I, I you know deals getting done i like the the panic that kind of set over leafs nation this entire off season so far has just been kind of media driven and and i mean obviously you have to consider the alternatives but at the same time i mean this is a guy who has blatantly voiced his his interest in staying with toronto and playing in toronto and and how much he enjoys playing in toronto and um, you know, this is just a new GM trying to get to know his star player and where, where he sees the, the team going and, and kind of letting him know where he sees the organization going as well. So, um, yeah, I very basic conversation. I think it was just more of like a touch base and, you know, let's, let's figure this out. Uh, let's meet again soon. And, and, you know, I went from there because obviously he's not discussing this with, with the player himself. Chances are he's discussing it with the agent when it comes to the contract talks anyways. So, I mean, you know, we can get all excited and what, what have you, but, uh, you know, I don't think, I don't think Matthews has ever envisioned playing anywhere else at this point in time. So, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of where I'm at with that. But, um, R Ryan O'Reilly, uh, definitely, definitely a, a hot topic as rumors swirl that he could go back to St. Louis. Um, two teams that were interested in him at the deadline, the Flyers 
and the Avs um, involved in some other moves so far or rumored moves so far this offseason. Alex, let's throw it to you first. Ryan O'Reilly, do you see him back as a Leaf to start the season? It's a really loaded question because I feel like the O'Reilly situation is something that Treliving has to he has to navigate with a lot of caution. Um, I think it's, you know, for as much as I love Ryan O'Reilly and I thought he was awesome during his time in Toronto, I think he was the exact type of player that they needed in the playoffs. And, you know, if the Leafs want to have any more success beyond the second round, I think he's a guy that you got to have in that, in that locker room. Uh, that being said, he is 32 years old or going on 32. He's one of the two and 32. Yeah. Yeah. He's 32 years old and he's not a fast skater. And we've seen what happens in the past when Leafs give contracts out to slow forwards, <clears throat> David Clarkson. <clears throat> and obviously I'm not comparing David Clarkson to Ryan O'Reilly because one's got far better credentials than the other. But I mean, you know, you don't want the Leafs to end up locked into a situation where they're paying 36, 37 year old Ryan O'Reilly upwards of five, six million a year for him to put up 30, 40 points. And, you know, I, I do think that he's a great player. And if the Leafs can get him back on a cost effective deal, I think that's something that I would, I would encourage because, you know, outside there's going to be a lot of turnover in the forward group this year. And it's really up in the air, what that group is going to look like. And I think O'Reilly is a perfect complimentary piece to the core four. If you're not trading the core for anybody. So um, if they can get him back at either a deal at four, four or five years at like, under $4 million or go five to $6 million for two, two years, maybe three at the absolute most, then I'd be okay with it. But I think once your term is upwards of four and your, your cap hits upwards of five, I think that's when things really start getting kind of worrisome. And so, you know, if, if, if there's mutual interest and he wants to come back and, you know, I'm not going to say he's willing to take a discount, but if he's willing to, take a reasonable contract and not just look for, look for the bag. Like a lot of free agents are then absolutely. I want him back in Toronto, but uh, I don't want true living to feel like he has to say yes to whatever O'Reilly asked for, because you know, for all um, of the good things true living's done, his number one flaw in Calgary was giving out bad contracts to middle six and bottom six forwards. And I'm not saying that O'Reilly's either of those things. I think he's a top six forward, but handing out big contracts like that, um, is something that screwed this team in the past, and you ideally don't want to see that happen again. So, Peter, your thoughts? Ryan O'Reilly is he a Maple Leaf next season, or are we we seen him play elsewhere? Uh, given the fact that they he hasn't fully shut the door on the Maple Leafs, it kind of leaves you a little bit more optimistic than before. Um, obviously, you know, I, and I, I still go back to that conversation that was presented out with his dad. Uh, I believe it was a interview with, um, or an article from, um, Mike Zeisberger, I think it was, or it, it was someone in the, in, in the media where they had that exchange with showed that exchange with his father. Imagine if I bring a Stanley cup to the Toronto Maple Leafs, that to me shows that, you know, he, he, like he, not to say that he, he is, going to resign but the fact that he had that attitude and that mentality saying that you know i could do something that hasn't been done in a long time that just shows that maybe he is committed to all of this now whether he decides to go elsewhere totally up to him and like alex said he has a long history a long list of credentials stanley cups you name it or a stanley cup 
to his name, MVP. He, I, I do think that there is a point right now where he would sign or take a little bit less than what he initially had because if they had a retained salary on his contract, like Alex said, he is getting, he is a little bit slower. Uh, he's definitely not worth seven point five million. If he's going elsewhere, trying to think that he could get the same amount, that's not happening. But if it is anything less than four mil, I'd definitely be over that for three years. I think that's going to be very, very reasonable. And not only that, he's nine games away from a thousand. Imagine if he's able to hit that mark with the Maple Leafs. That'll be something really special. And considering the impact that he had with this team in the playoffs, I th- I, I kind of feel like there's some unfinished business business there with him coming to Toronto. Seemed like he was really like he he was willing to put the effort forward and make sure that this team was competitive. Showed that against Tampa Bay. Again, not necessarily against Florida because not everybody played well against Florida. But I think that there is some unfinished business here that maybe we could see him come back next year at a reasonable, you know, not uh, I guess kind of a hometown discount, even though he's not necessarily from Toronto. He's from Clinton, Ontario. But um, having that mentality, I think it may bode well for the Maple Leafs. Boys, I'm going to go the uh, different route here, and and it's nothing against Ryan O'Reilly. I think he did exactly what he needed to do in coming over. Um, I think his ask is going to be too much, and I think I think the Leafs right now they got to look at, at what they can do to to better this team and and do it in a way that knowing knowing the contracts you have coming up, and um, I, I just I, I can't see him signing for any less than four million a year, um, and I don't I don't see him as a as a guy that you know is is gonna earn the four million a year on this team uh especially with sheldon keith at the helm so again uh, it's it there's a lot of pieces that could fall here as you mentioned alex it's kind of a loaded question um you know if keith's behind the bench i think we're we're it's a different story um but at the same time i think there's options out there that you can bring in that you know fill that fill that void and and uh you know maybe maybe at a lesser cost. I, I don't know. I just, I, I don't, I don't see him. If, if he wanted to be here for, for a good ticket, he would have been here for a good ticket and he would have signed very, you well, he would have, he would have looked at signing um, and made it known that he wanted to be in Toronto very quickly after the season ended. And that wasn't the case. I think he wants to see what he can get. And I think he's still got a few years of, of decent hockey ahead of him. And, and, and because of that, I think he signs a big ticket. So, uh, I just don't see him back with Toronto. I think it's it's one of those guys that you're going to see walk when uh, when free agency hits, and he'll walk quick. So, um, with that said, Ilya Samsonov. Um, reports from Pierre LeBrun are that the Leafs want to bring Sammy back. Obviously, his numbers were were much better than what many expected this season. Um, it was a bet on himself contract. He he came through. He delivered. Peter. Ilya Samsonov, is he back as a Maple Leaf next season? Well, considering he's still an RFA and he's under team control, he's definitely coming back. And I think that I believe his qualifying offer is going to be $1.8 million. So either way, no matter what, um, I do think that Samsonov is going to be back. And he's probably going to be making a little bit more than what he already is right now. Now, I, I would have thought that if Dubas was still in the fold, I'm pretty sure he would have been confident to sign him to at least maybe a four-year deal, $4 million per, $3.5 million per, somewhere around that range. I think it would have been a, a big increase over what he was currently making. Now that Bradford Living is in the fold, 
I still think that he's going to sign to a cost-effective term. I don't think it's going to be a crazy amount because he's not nearly as what uh, the contract or not nearly towards the contract of what Jacob Markstrom is, where Trollaving signed him. I think he's still got a ways to go to try and prove himself a little bit more, but he definitely improved his value after this season. And yeah, and, you know, injuries were a bit of a concern. They did have, you know, some you know, issues with him trying to stay healthy, especially in the playoffs. But I think if you have a capable backup like Joseph Wall this time around to try and help him out, I think it's going to be a good sign for this tandem going forward. But I do think that Samsonov has, you know, showed that he did bet on himself and improved, improved in his favor. And I think he deserves a a relatively decent pay raise that's within the Maple Leafs range. Yeah, no, absolutely. A quick shout out to Jeremiah. Uh, what's up, Jeremiah? What's up, fellow Leafers? Uh, welcome to our our show. And uh, yes, sir, I am drinking a Corona just like you. But here at the podcast, <laughs> we support we support Indie Ale House. So um, make sure you check out Indie Ale House and throw an online order their way as well. Um, Alex, your thoughts on Ilya Samsonov? Is this guy coming back? Are we are we running it back with uh, with Ilya? Uh, I would, I would hope so. I mean, I don't think he's really, you know, I don't think there's, I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought. I don't think that he can really, you know, there's really a, a question mark around him about uh, how much he's going to ask for, because for as well as he did last year, I really don't think that his body of work justifies him asking for, a, you know, a number that would cripple the lease financially. So I think that if he comes back for whatever the rumored price was, I don't even think there was a rumored price, but there is not. No, if you imagine, if, if you imagine it's somewhere in the range of like 2.5 mil to 3.5 mil, maybe somewhere around there, uh, I'd give it to him hundred percent because I think that, you know, you brought him in to bet on himself. He did so. And it worked out for him. I, I, you know, I don't think that there was ever a point during the season where I was like, okay, this guy's not it. Like, I think, you know, anytime he had struggles, he always found a way to bounce back. And unfortunately his season with the Leafs ended with that injury in round two. So I do think he's earned it. And I think a lot of people forget that this guy was a first round pick in 2015 and didn't work out with, with Washington, obviously, but it takes a lot for for a goalie to get drafted in the first round you, you it started to happen a little more frequently in recent years and overall the track record on goalies drafted in the first round seems to be pretty good so uh i would probably say that samsonov's worth bringing back like he said peter joseph wall if he's anything the way that he, uh anything similar to the way that he was this year uh i think you've got yourself a really good tandem for next year and you know there's not going to be if, assuming matt murray's not back there's not going to be a big question mark around, oh, is, you know, if Samsonov gets injured, do we have to rely on Murray? Or if, you know, Murray gets injured, can Samsonov handle the full workload? Uh, I think he did really well last year. And I think that uh, if he's willing to take a, a cost-friendly deal, then I, I think that he's absolutely worth a shot bringing back. He's uh, definitely showed more overall, I would say, than Campbell did or than Freddie Anderson did um, during the time. Obviously, Freddie's a little bit of an unfair comparison because he was good early on, but towards the end of the tenure, when the Leafs really could have used 2016, 2017, Freddie, uh, he, he sort of was on the downfall. So I do think that, uh, you know, they got a guy on their hands who's young. He was a first round pick in 2015, and he's somebody that I think, you know, has yet to reach his prime. So I definitely bring him back. 
Yeah, I'm glad you threw out that number. I think 3.5 is kind of probably what you're looking at uh, for for Samsonov to come back. Um, I do. I, I mean, I don't know if you guys saw the the rumors out there right now that you know Dubis was set to bring Matt Murray back for the Leafs next season. Um, there, there is there potential that he could be reunited with uh, with uh, Dubis in Pittsburgh and in a reunification of Pittsburgh and Matt Murray. But um, definitely. Uh, Definitely, if that happens, I mean, you got to talk about Samsonov and Joseph Wall being your tandem. Um, I think we mentioned it last week as well. Aiden Hill winning the cup with with uh, the Vegas Golden Knights, the way they went on a run with Laurent Broussard, so, um, and then and then Aiden Hill kind of taking it home. I think it kind of just goes to show you just you know goaltending. You just need them to steal a few games for you, and I think Samsonov has that ability. On top of that. As you mentioned, Alex, that injury that happened in the second round, to me, that that's another I've got more to prove this isn't done yet. And and I think that's a perfect opportunity, a perfect sell um, for the Leafs to say, hey, look, let's run it back. Let's do this again. We were right there. We had it. And uh, we just needed you. Uh, we just need you in that second round. And, and I think we could get it done. So. Um, I think it's going to be a great opportunity. I do think it's going to be around the three million, three point five. You might see it a little bit lower, like two point eight, but it's going to be probably like a two three year contract just to kind of make sure that he's the guy that uh, you want moving forward, especially with the the goaltending prospects that the Leaf, Leafs have now and Aktiyamov and and um, um, Hildeby as well. So. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely, definitely a guy that I, I could see them bringing back for the, for the start of the season. And, uh, I, I would say probably a th- two, three year contract, um, TJ Brody. I know, I know Peter, you weren't too happy with TJ Brody's play in the postseason there at the end. Um, there's rumors that there could be a buyout on the table for, uh, and, and we like to spin the rumor mill rumor mill here. So, um, we're just going to keep feeding rumors. There's rumors out there <laughs> the that, rumor, uh, you're feeding the rumor meal. We're, we're feeding a rumor meal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but there, there are rumors that TJ Brody could be a bio candidate for the Maple Leafs. Um, Peter, I'll throw it to you first again. Uh, your thoughts on TJ Brody, if the Leafs were to buy him out. Ridiculous. Um, simple as that. Um, I believe it was actually shot down with the rumor by either Lance Hornby, Hornby or Terry Koshin, like a day or so after. And it absolutely makes sense for them not to buy him out. Did he have a bad playoff? Yeah. Um, obviously you would like to have seen him a little bit more consistent because he didn't actually play to the standard that we know that he could, um, seemed a little bit flat footed at times, lost positioning, even though he really doesn't, um, but yeah, for the Maple Leafs to buy him out does not make any sense at all. Even if the salary cap is going up $1 million, I mean, you're off the book for like nothing in the first year. Great. But then you're at $2.5 million the next. And guess who's up for a contract next year if they don't sign anything? Austin Matthews and William Nylander. You can use that extra $2.5 million to give yourself some more wiggle room and not buy him out because he's already a, a free agent at the end of the season anyways. So it, like for you to still be on, if you buy him out, there's 2.5 million on the books and he's already making five. Might as well just clear that 5 million off and let him walk at the end of the year or trade him mid season. If you need to, to get an improvement over what you currently have. And I totally understand that, but yeah, to buy him out right now, just doesn't make sense. It, it really didn't. 
considering that they're in a cost-effective situation, you don't want to be on the books for anything more than like 2.5 close to 3 million because that would just it, it does not make any sense whatsoever if you're the Maple Leafs to buy him out. Now, could he bounce back and maybe he take a bit of a pay cut next season knowing that maybe he's not worth 5 million? Possibly. But I wouldn't buy him out this season, considering that, you know, he was decent for the Maple Leafs throughout this whole entire time as a two-way transitional player. Didn't quite show that in the playoffs, but it's nothing to warrant to buy out. Alex, your thoughts. Uh, TJ Brody, is it a possible buyout, or are we still looking at maybe one of the better defensemen for the Leafs this season? (laughs) What a question. So is this guy (laughs) one of our better defensive defensemen, or are we buying him out? One of the two. Um, okay, so one thing I want to clear up is that I think a lot of people are are, are taking what Saravalli said and equating it to a rumor, but it's not a rumor. It was literally just him wondering out loud if the Leafs could, if the Leafs would potentially mm-hmm. consider buying him out. So there's no rumors to this. There's no, you know, oh, I was, I heard that the Leafs were considering it. It's no, I wonder if the Leafs were considering it. Um, and with with all due respect to Frank Cervalli, who's technically a coworker of mine, I don't think he knows who I am, but um, I, that that one wasn't it, Frank. <laughs> you know, the Leafs, if they bought out TJ Brody, they'd be they'd be paying him. I think it's like two point five million against the salary cap. Yeah, to not play TJ Brody, which is which would just be a, an abysmal move for True Living to kick off this GM in year two. Leafs. Yeah, exactly. So. Uh, yeah, he's got one year left. Uh, I think it's safe to say that by the time his contract is up, uh, he'll probably walk as a free agent. And I also think that, you know, you could even float the possibility of him getting traded for an upgrade, but they're not buying him out. That, 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 that was, that, that was an egregious thought. So I don't see that happening. Um, and that's where I'm going to leave it because I really, I don't think that TJ Brody bio rumors really deserves much more of a uh, much more conversation around it. It's just such an egregious talking point. I just, no, that's not happening. That's like, yeah. being like, do you think the Leafs are going to send Nylander down to the minors next year? <laughs> like, maybe not that egregious. Maybe a, a better comparison would be, do you think the Leafs are going to put Matthew Nyes in the AHL? That's not going to happen. He's going to yeah. start with the team. Do you think the Leafs are going to trade Austin Matthews to the Calgary Flames. Oh, 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 oh. Mm. Shot below the belt. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> yeah, the THW was. Uh, they, they, they were getting some. They were getting some heat for that. Uh, oh man, you left. You left. They needed some. They need somebody to post some some oh. rumor mills. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, no, but, uh, gentlemen, I, I'm not going to say anything about it because I, I agree with you. I think like it's just. I think some people just. Don't tweet your thoughts sometimes. Um, <laughs> that's what I think a lot of people on Twitter need to hear that. Don't, yeah, I know. If you ever have a thought, just, just run it by yourself. Just be like, do people really need to know my, uh, my take on Putting that thought to my my uh, profile. Yeah. <laughs> I think we could all use it, man, honestly. Yeah. I've caught yeah. myself doing it before where it's like I tweet something about something. It's like, uh, do re- people really need my opinion on this? And I'm just like, nah, yeah. I delete it. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. Um, boys, before we get to our mailbag questions from last week, just a quick word from our wonderful sponsors over at the NDL House. The draft is back, and with it, so are the Maple Leafs in the first round so far. Uh, getting ready for a night out of watching the draft at home with the gang. Uh, what uh, better way to do it than with a nice cold one from the folks at the NDL House in Toronto? With two locations in the city at Italy, Toronto, at Bay & Bloor, the Bureautech location, they have two big screens, amazing authentic Italian food, 
and loads of beer also at OG Brew Pub in the junction at Keel and Dundas with 120 seats, famous bar food, and 12 taps. Indie House is an award-winning brewery featuring their flagship Instigator IPA and dozens of rotating monthly special release beers, perfect for takeout, dine-in, or bottle shop online orders when planning for game night. You can find Instigator IPA and Marco Polo Pilsner at finer LCBOs across the province as well. Hashtag Live Indie is the motto. Adventurous, fun-focused beers with a selection for everyone from a healthy dose of in-your-face hoppy beers for the beer geeks to mainstream pilsners and easy drinking options. Indie Alehouse is the go-to for game day. Visit www.indialehouse.com today to place your online orders. I, I've definitely said this on the show a couple times, but once again, just to add on to your little your little script read there, noted logger and Pilsner fan Alex Hobson actually prefers Instigator IPA to the uh, Marco mm-hmm. Polo Pilsner. That's not a knock on the Pilsner at all, but if you're an easy drinking guy like me and you like your loggers, give the Instigator IPA a try. Instigator absolutely yeah. absolutely boys three and three. Some, good, some good stuff some good stuff from indie house for the summer so definitely check them out and uh, jeremiah before we jump over to the uh mailbag you don't trade matthews he's a franchise player leafer for life attaboy um absolutely good take, jeremiah absolutely yeah. good take, couldn't agree more smart take. um yeah it's uh jeremiah knows fuck uh, he he does he does <laughs> definitely not a guy we want to see uh see leave at any any point so they got to figure it out uh Hopefully, hopefully they get that contract done quickly, as we mentioned. Um, but uh, we had a little mailbag this this uh, this week, and I should say a couple weeks ago. We had a few questions thrown in there, so let's quickly get to those. Destination6 on Twitter, at Destination underscore 6IX. Um, are you interested in trying to upgrade the goaltending? I think the last couple of years it hasn't seemed to be the major issue, but do you go out and try and make a trade for someone quote-unquote, consistently good. Goalies have on and off years all the time. Uh, Alex, we'll throw that question to you. I would say that it's a tempting thought because when you see a goalie doing that for another team, you think, man, why can't my team have that, right? Like you look you look at Connor Hellebuck being consistently good for the Jets. You look for Carey Price and what he did for all those years with Montreal, obviously Andre Vasilevsky. But then you see a cup run like the one the Vegas Golden Knights have with Aiden Hill backstopping for most of it. This is a guy that had a 906 save percentage on the season, I'm pretty sure. I mean, I'm not going to say that, you know, any goalie can win a Stanley Cup, but at the same time, I think that a lot, I think what we learned this year is that a lot of what goes into a Stanley Cup winning team is just getting hot at the right time. So I would not like to see the Leafs pour a bunch of assets and money into a quote unquote, consistently good goalie only for him to be not so consistent and have a bad year, because then you're looking at potentially one of the worst moves a team's made. I mean, just look at what the Oilers did with Jack Campbell last year. And obviously he didn't have the tag of consistently good, but you know, that was one of the most talked about contracts all year, the 5.5 million for Campbell. So uh, I, I'd be cool with just running Samsonov and wall. Obviously I, you know, I'd it'd be interesting to see if, you know, to see, I'd be interested in like a Hellebuck or something like that, but uh, I definitely wouldn't be putting it at the top of the list. From Inside Leafs at Inside Leafs on Twitter, Peter, do you think Trelleving, uh targets anyone in Calgary for a potential trade? If so, who stands out as the most likely target? Oof. Ah, that's a, that's a really good one. Um, 
there's anyone that stands out like if you are looking to make a big move like you are moving on from a William Nylander kind of thing I wonder if you try and take um possibly I want to say Elias Lindholm um kind of seems like a safer bet kind of player two-way game can play either center or the wing or uh, maybe just center right now, but I think he has played wing in the past, but he gives you kind of a little bit more flexibility making 4.85 right now. So someone like William Nylander during the season puts himself out of a price range. You could try and trade Elias Lindholm and then maybe you could try and get back that seven, $8 million contract that maybe you could have had with Nylander with a little bit of an increase with Lindholm because Obviously, he's looking for a pay raise. Yeah, he's a UFA, same as Nylander. But I think he, if there was any time where you wanted to make like a Matthew Kachuk-esque like trade, I think he would be a cornerstone piece like that because he can puck the puck in the net, very lethal at five on five and on the power play, and he's a very good penalty killer too. So I think he, you check off all the boxes for a player that can come in. You can probably sign him long-term, but then again, he's 28 Deal may look good for about three or four years, but then after that, maybe not so much. So I would also like uh, honorable mention, um, maybe Andrew Mangiapane. I mean, small, but man, he's feisty and he has shown to be a very, you know, very consistent offensive contributor. 5.8 million. Maybe you could try and get some salary retained on there. And obviously, I think the big one could be Tyler Toffoli as well. Uh, His name recently just came up. So if you're looking for a big name where you can move, you know, maybe a roster player, uh, media, like a B-level prospect and a couple draft picks as a result, like the same price that uh, they got from Montreal. I think that's something to look at. I'll take this one from uh, Nick Aarons, uh at Aarons underscore Nick on Twitter. If the Leafs keep their pick, who is your ideal guy? Bonk question mark. Um, obviously I just came out with a piece about uh, Oliver Bonk and how he would, you know, maybe not the flashiest guy, but definitely a guy that could go at, at uh, 28 uh, right-handed defenseman, um, bigger bodied plays, physical wins battles in his own zone, uh, knows how to exit the zone. Um, and, and while he doesn't play flashy, he definitely adds a little offensive flair as well. So definitely a guy that uh, to keep your eyes on. Um, but uh, I think there's a, there's a lot of options and, and uh, that's gotta be something that, uh, you know, the, the, the Leafs consider when, when considering whether or not to move, move that pick as well. Um, Gavin Brinley is another guy that comes to mind. I mean, a little bit more undersized, um, but definitely has the skill set to kind of get, you know, be a, be a middle six guy at some point in the NHL as well. I think, uh, you know, if available, obviously Quentin Musty is a guy that uh, we got to we got to consider as well at 28. Um, again, skill set is there. Development is going to be key for that kid to 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 get to the next level. And I think um, there's a lot of potential for for the Leafs to pick at number 28 and get a get a good player as well. So it's a deep draft. We talked about it off the top of the show. We'll talk about it a little bit more in depth in a couple minutes here. But um, yeah, I think there's a lot of options at at 28, and uh, you can go. You can go anywhere. You can go off the board, and we've seen we've seen teams go off the board in the first round before. Shout out Columbus Blue Jackets from a few years back. So, again, from Nick, and I'll throw this one to Alex. Thoughts on the possibility of keeping Keith? Ooh, uh, that's a loaded question as well. Um, I would say that for for when it comes to Sheldon Keith, 
I think I was at a point when the season ended where I would have been okay if he was let go. But I am also intrigued to see how he does on a team when the tandem is not Dubas Keefe. Because every time it seems like for his entire career, he's had Dubas at the helm. You know, he was, he was Dubas's coach when Dubas was in Sault Ste. Marie, you know, they were together with the Marlies, they were together with the Leafs. And, you know, they were saying like Dubas mentioned at the deadline when he brought in uh, all the players that he had a say in what, you know, the lines were and what the roster shape was. So you wonder how much of Sheldon keeps questionable decisions were actually, you know, Kyle Dubas in the background saying, you know, play him here, play him here. So I'd like to see how he does uh, with true living at the helm. Instead. I wonder, I want to see if maybe his coaching style changes at all. Uh, I doubt the found, I doubt it will much. I think the foundation will remain, remain in place, maybe just with a couple different quirks here and there, but I do think he should have a bit of a short leash. Peter, we're going to go back to Nick for one final question. Who do you add, subtract going into free agency? So a big question there. Ooh, I did come out with a three targets piece for free agency. Uh, my top three were Carson Susie, Miles Wood, and Evan Rodriguez. I think they would fill spots that you would like to see on the Maple Leafs lineup. Susie uh, can play either left or right-hand side. Miles Wood. Speed and tenacious, uh, middle six, uh, could be a great factor there. Same with Evan Rodriguez, a little bit more consistency than you would get with, um, uh, Alex Kerfoot. And obviously, subtraction a lot of players have been subtracted, uh, if you think about it. Uh, but if I'm going for somebody under contract right now, as much as I liked the signing at first, um, I I think they should, should probably still keep him, but I wonder if they maybe move on from Callie Yarncroke just because of if they could find a little bit more of a player that could be a little bit more consistent in the playoffs. I know he was great during the regular season, but playoffs he did kind of sort of come in and out at certain points. I think he should still be on the roster, but if they look for an improvement over a player, I think Yarn Krogh. All right. And final question from our mailbag this week from Big Willie Styles on uh, Twitter at Big Willie Styles underscore Leafs have been lacking an impact power forward for years to Chuck has been amazing for Florida, but players like him are far few and far between. Who do you believe are realistic options for next year's team in terms of a physical player that can also put the puck in the net. Um, that's a tough one. And, and to be honest, like, I mean, your, your your comparison to Chuck is is tough because you're talking about an MVP candidate and there's not many out there. So um, you want to go back to the O'Reilly conversation. There's a guy that can play middle six, that plays physical. He can put the puck in the net. He can be, a, be an offensive driver as well. Um, but in, in terms of like, that guy that kind of can compare it to Chuck. I don't think there's really any option out there for the Leafs to bring in next season. Um, you've got to kind of draft somebody and, and build from within and, and hopefully, hopefully they can turn into that. I know, I know there's a conversation to be had about, you know, what can Matthew Nyes bring at some point when he gets a little bit more further along in his career and developed and, and he does play a little bit more of a physical grimy game. Um, but I don't think he's there yet. Uh, I think, I think, in terms of getting a player like that of that caliber, you have to, you have to draft him and build from within. I don't think you're going to be like Florida and go out and trade for one of those guys every year. So um, yeah, I, I, I don't think there's an option out there for them. I think they've got to find a way of getting it done 
by committee, and uh, that's going to be the focus for the Leafs uh, in 2023-24. But, uh, boys, we're going to talk draft here in just a second. Quick word from our other sponsors, DraftKings Sportsbook. New customers, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code THPN bet just $5 to score $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Massachusetts. Call 1-800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in West Virginia, gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. All games regulated by the West Virginia Lottery. Please play responsibly in partnership with Hollywood Casino at Charlestown Races. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Must be 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. One boost per eligible game. Opt-in required. Max bet $50. 10-plus leg required for 100% boost. Eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions do apply. Well, boys, draft talk is in full force with it just around the corner. And Peter, we got to throw it to you first, buddy. You're heading down to Nashville. Let us know what you're looking for from this draft, the 2023 NHL draft happening this week. Yeah, like we said off the top of the show, a lot of uncertainty, but this is a good level or a good amount of uncertainty because it is so deep with talent that you don't know who's going where. Um Obviously, like the first round talent stretches out into the early mid second and same thing. You could have second rounders move up into the first and a team is still going to get a really good prospect. So a lot of uncertainty, but in a good way, considering last year, it was a, it was a little bit more up in the air, but there was more uncertainty in regards to the fact that who is going to go where because it wasn't as deep. Now that you have elite level top six talent, like, this draft class is probably as deep or like the next closest would be to 2015 with that class. And we know how good that was. Um, I think we're going to see probably similar results, but a lot of players are going to probably be moving up. A lot of players are going to be moving down. And I think their teams are going to be happy with no matter who they pick um, in the first round or even early mid second. Alex, your thoughts on the uh, the upcoming draft uh, and what what do you expect from uh, any surprises, any any off the board picks or or the Leafs keeping number twenty eight? That's a good question, and uh, it's one that just like everything else that seems to have come up when we've discussed True Living, I don't really have an answer for because I got a he hasn't made any moves yet, so I don't know how he's going to approach things, but uh, would not be shocked to see them move on from that first round pick. Um, I think that, you know, he's been linked to a couple top four defensemen, guys like Travis Sanheim and Noah Hannafin in recently. So, uh, I'd be interested to see, you know, I, I think I'd support a move like that because the Leafs, you know, they got a lot of, they got a lot of kind of 
older veteran guys and then they got a lot of young guys and not none really in between like those guys like Noah Hannafin. So I wouldn't mind another defenseman in the top four to um, sort of take some of the weight off of Morgan Riley. Um, that being said, uh, I kind of hope they don't trade their first round pick because I want to sit by my TV on Wednesday night and hope and hope and hope that Quentin Musty falls to the Leafs 28. I'm a big Quentin Musty fan. Uh, I think he's my favorite fo- favorite prospect in this draft. Uh, sorry, not favorite prospect in the draft, but he is probably my favorite of the of the rumored potential players the Leafs could pick at 28. Uh, I think if you're looking at a top six forward core that has Marner and Nylander on one side and then Musty and Nyes on the other side, that's a pretty good top six. So, uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of him. Uh, I'm just really excited to see what happens because over at the Leafs Nation, I've been I've been publishing this. Uh, four-part mock draft. I've gotten through three of the four parts. I've drafted players between first and 24th overall. And as I was doing the draft, I was moving through and I'm like, I'm like, man, like, how did I not put this player on the board already? Like, I'd be looking at a guy that's ranked in the second round and he's got, you know, I I watched some tape of him and he's like, this is a good player. Like, how have I not, you know, a guy like, uh, I'm trying to think about who I was, uh, Trying to remember who what, what player uh, it was. I think it was I think it was Gabe Perot. Gabe Perot. I had gotten down to like past twentieth overall, and then I was like, Jesus, I can't believe I haven't gotten him yet. But the thing is, is that the other players I put in the top twenty were also very worthy of their picks. So it's a very deep draft, and I'm just really excited to see what comes of it. Yeah, no, I I, I agree with bo- what both of you guys have said. I I do kind of hope that the Leafs hold on to twenty eight or or kind of you know, maybe find a way to, to make a big splash using 28 uh, to, to get something bigger, uh, maybe a roster player or somebody that they can count on uh, heading into the season. But that being said, I mean, we're not used to tree living. We're used to Dubas and we kind of can read Dubas a little bit better. We, we know what to expect. Tree living is not going to be at the draft as part of the agreement with Calgary. Um, so, um, I mean, <laughs> I'm sure they'll have contact with him, but uh, he won't be at the table. So um, I think there's going to be a few surprises. I think the first round is going to be, uh, uh, there's going to be a couple surprises. I wouldn't be shocked to see somebody go off the board. Maybe that we were expecting to go second round. As I mentioned, I have Will Smith at number three. I wouldn't be shocked to see him go number three um, and see guys like Leo Carlson, Matt Mitchkov drop. Um, I think the geopolitical uh, outlook right now is, is causing a lot of issues for the draft. It's causing a lot of issues for, 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 um, looking at players um, uh, overseas in Russia and and, and really getting a, a full grip on on what they are and who they are. Um, but that said, uh, I think it's going to be an exciting day. And and Peter, give us a little rundown of uh, what uh, what we can expect from you heading down to Nashville. Yeah, so I'm going to be helping out with uh, the breaking news with uh, the selection. So I'm going to be probably focusing on a lot of that. Going to see if I could try and uh, if the Maple Leafs do make their pick, uh, trying to get in uh, sense and interview some of the players that they do select later on and even possibly do the media availability with um, the scouting team. We get their thoughts on a- uh, that afterwards as well. So um yeah, so a little bit of everything, a little bit of news, a little bit of updates, a little bit of, you know, Maple Leaf content as well. So trying to keep an even balance of everything right now. And just to go off uh, Alex's uh, predictions, uh, like, because I know he said Quentin Mussey. It's, it's funny you mentioned him because I do have him as the top new target because I did a five early look in January and I did a recent one after the combine. And Mussey did stick out for me because 
you know, he the biggest knock on him was his IQ, decision-making, tended to do a little bit too much, but he has improved in that regard overall. And I'm glad you brought him up because I think he would be a fantastic addition, similar to like what Matthew Nyes is, just maybe a little bit more speed and a little bit more creativity than Nyes. So I think if you have more of a guy that could get in on the attack and have a better shot in Nyes and a playmaker with a power forward game like Mussey, I think they would complement each other very well uh, on each uh, wing for the Maple Leafs. But I, I, I'm going to throw out one dark horse, boys. And I'm I'm usually never right when it comes to players dropping, but I have a feeling that Riley Height is going to drop. He's 21st among uh, central scouting and North American skaters. I have him ranked in my top 20. I don't know why he would drop, but there is going to be a sense that maybe if he is available – Bradshaw Living has taken players from the WHL in the past. We've seen Connor Zary. Um, you know, we, we, we've seen him select players with high upside like Matthew Coronado. I think height, if he's available, look out for him as a potential possibility. I, I, I really like his game. I'm, I said this uh, earlier when we, I was doing Prospects Corner. I see him, I see similarities to Braden Point's game. Not calling him the next Braden Point, but the fact that he is 5'11", speedy, great hands, underrated shot, not afraid of getting physical and getting involved with everything. I think that he could be an interesting fit for the Maple Leafs, and they don't have great depth at the middle. They have bottom six help, but if you had add Riley Height, he would be your top center prospect. Well, there you have it. Uh, the, while you will be there with the hockey writers, Sticks in the Six will have boots on the ground in Nashville. Uh, make sure you take in some of that country music as well while yes. you're there. Um, <laughs> quick note from Spike11 watching on YouTube. Uh, Tree Living could trade down and acquire more picks. Absolutely. That's yes. always a possibility. Um, and, and, I mean, if he can grab, you know, maybe a second and a third, for that first round pick and, you know, you don't miss out on, on the prospects that you're looking at. I'm sure that's an opportunity that he's willing to go with. Um, so we will all be tuned in. I'm sure all of Leafs nation will be tuned into the, the NHL draft as the Leafs do have currently have a first round pick in the 2023 NHL draft and check out Peter, make sure you follow him along uh, on Twitter as he will be breaking down the NHL draft live from Nashville. Before we close out here, boys, uh, anything you wanted to add, Peter, we'll throw it to you first, buddy. Uh, it's going to be a bumpy ride. It's going to be a busy, busy week. Uh, tune in. A lot's going to happen with the drafts, trades, free agency, you name it. So uh, just looking forward to this week, boys. Alex, what do you got for us, buddy? Yeah, I got my um, uh, the last part of my mock draft for the first round coming out at the Leafs Nation, and it's going to be uh, the pick that features, or sorry, the piece that features the Leafs pick. And I may or may not let my bias kick in, may or may not assign them Quentin Musty. We'll see. Um, <laughs> but uh, anyways, it's uh, yeah, like Peter said, it's going to be a fun week. Uh, I lucked out this week, boys. My uh, my second job, I TA at the college part time on Mondays and Tuesdays, or sorry, Mondays and Wednesdays. And uh, this week just just so happens to be reading week at the college. So uh, I've got pretty well every day after 9 a.m. free this week. So there's going to be a lot of hockey content consumed. And I really hope we have one of the busiest hockey weeks ever. So beautiful, beautiful. Well, as always, boys, we got a long weekend coming up next weekend. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun times heading into that long weekend. Uh, as always, you can check us out on Twitter, on Instagram, on YouTube, on Twitch, on TikTok. Hit us up anywhere on any social platform. We're there. Make sure you follow us along. 
um, as we continue to push ahead in this uh, treacherous off season. Um, with that said, check us out on Twitter personally at Andrew G Forbes. You can follow Alex at a hops and media, or you can follow Peter at P Barrichini. If you're tuning in right now, live on YouTube, check out our socials there on the bottom. Uh, big shout out to the Hockey Podcast Network for their continuous support and the India House, as well as DraftKings for their continued sponsorships as well uh, on this show. Uh, boys, until next time, um, that's it for us on episode 128.